Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post. Lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace. What wow. a jump ball. He's down four, 12-8, 7-38 to play the first one. Burst from Rodney, stuck into the rim. inside for Andre and a dynamite dunk. And we welcome you to episode number 27 of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Brendan Johnson here with Aaron Johnson this week. You know, last week, Aaron, Ryan and I joked around. We gave you some flack for a little DNP. Well, Ryan Pay not here with us this week. It's a little coach's scratch, DNP. Any uh, words for Ryan not with us this week on the podcast? You know, I, it's just about watching what you say because what you say comes back to bite you most of the time. And that's what's happening here today. You know, Ryan came in last week, talked his big game, and, you know, now me and you were here, and he's nowhere to be seen. He's MIA, missing in action, folks. And just know that what goes around comes around, and Ryan is is not here after talking his big game last week, and uh, it just... It's 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 the way of the road. It's the way of the road. Well, Ryan, we miss you, buddy. But there's still a lot of good things we're going to talk about this week, Aaron. Um, and, and let's just kind of dive right in. You know, we've talked a lot about the Pistons offseason on the last few podcasts. We've talked about lineups. We've talked about an identity for the front office, an identity for this team, um, and we've tried to find so many positives, right? But what to take a look at something a little different. If there's something that you would have liked to have seen the Pistons do this offseason that they did not, or maybe an area that they under-delivered in, what would that be for you throughout this past offseason? Well, I think, and I can hit on two things here. Um, I'll start with my primary issue is the lack of depth the Pistons added up front. Um, they added Glenn Robinson to their front court, but when you look at the power forward and center position, uh, their key acquisition in, in those two areas is Zaza Pachulia. And that's not a good enough signing for a guy that's going to have to play you know, every night. He's going to be the backup big man. And that's not a good enough signing for a team that's trying to win now. He just doesn't provide the value that he did two, three seasons ago when the Golden State Warriors, you know, bef- you know before Kevin Durant and even with Kevin Durant, when Zaza Pachulia was just slicing up defenses with his ability to pass and was still you know moved a little bit better is a good was a good finisher his game has just slowed down and he's nowhere near the player that he once was and I mentioned this um, probably at least a month ago but I read an article by a Golden State Warriors blogger and the title of it was perfect and it, it was something to the effect of the NBA has left Zaza Pachulia behind and that's pr- really what I believe is the case with him. You know, he just doesn't have the the skill set, and he's too old to be a useful big man in today's league. Um, so that was my biggest concern with the Pistons offseason. But my second concern goes along with what else they did in free agency, and with their third point guard signing, the addition of Jose Calderon, 
he's not a bad player. And if Detroit's history at point guard was a lot more healthy and there weren't such issues where your starting point guard missed significant time in back-to-back seasons, I would be okay with this signing because Calderon was a very efficient three-point shooter, you know, 45% three-point shooter last season. He's still a good distributor. But again, he has those same issues that Zaza Pachulia has. He's old and he's slow. He can't defend a lick. And he just doesn't have enough of an offensive repertoire to where I'm going to be comfortable giving this guy 16 to 18 minutes per game. It's reminiscent of Steve Blake when he was with the Pistons a few seasons back. Okay, hold on. Aaron, I agree with you that the third point guard was probably my biggest issue with the offseason, but we need to backtrack here. Do not hate our my man's Steve Blake. Stop it. Stop it. Steve no. Blake was on that Pistons playoff roster, right? If anyone knows this podcast or knows me, they know my distaste for Steve Blake. So I don't appreciate you bring, talking about him like he was some efficient, solid player when he went to Australia the next season and we never heard from him again. Steve Blake has played as many playoff games in a Pistons uniform as Andre Drummond. Just letting you know. No comment. That's what I love. Uh, But going back to the third point guard issue, uh, I agree. And when you have a situation like Reggie Jackson, a guy that has missed a large number of games, Aaron is still pondering over here. He has this most dumbfounded look on his face like, oh, my God, Steve Blake and Andre Drummond have played the same amount of playoff games in the Pistons uniform. I'm more concerned with how your thought process came together to give Steve Blake, like, this praise of being this, like, adequate player when the dude was literally dribbling the, the ball off his foot in, in the play, in the playoff series against Cleveland. Like, that's what I remember of Steve Blake. I don't know what, what plays Steve Blake made from his time with the Pistons that you remember to where you're saying he's this, like, solid point guard or anything at the age of, you know, 600. But it, it, I, that's why I have a dumbfounded look on my face right now. It's just like, I don't understand where your thought process is. Steve Blake has as many playoff appearances for the Detroit Pistons as Reggie Jackson, Stanley Johnson, your your core. I'm just just reminding you of that. <laughs> You're not anyone with a brain cell firing. What's knows the that factor? means nothing. Common uh, Pistons in the playoffs. What's the missing piece? It's Steve Blake, dude. I'm just saying. Stop it. I'm just saying. Dude, Anyways, moving people on. People are clicking off of this podcast right now. No, I can literally they're hear sitting here, the iPhone shutting off. They're sitting here going, wow, Aaron, you're hating way too much on my guy, Steve Blake. But going back to the issue, Reggie Jackson, a guy that's missed several games, or, you know, the last couple seasons dealing with significant injuries. You don't know that he's going to be healthy for 65, 70, 75 games this year. And when Ish Smith has to move into that starting role, Jose Calderon's not a great second point guard option then. I really think the Pistons needed to attack that issue harder. They needed, even if it was a young guy that had a little bit more to prove, somebody with some promise, somebody with some upside, somebody that maybe you were taking a chance on, but somebody that you could be like, wow, this guy could really slide in to be a good number two, maybe eventually a number one point guard in this league. All I'm going to say is, and I know that deep in the core of Pistons Twitter, this will excite some people, PG Bruce Brown. PG Bruce Brown. 
We saw it a little in Summer League. He had some success, is aggressive attacking the basket, has a very good handle for a primary two, is an adequate passer. If necessary, I would be all in on turning the ball over to Bruce Brown and seeing what that man can do. Well, the other thing is, I like the idea then of, you know, you could try Bruce Brown, you could also then mix in some point-forward lineups to take away from needing to rely well, yeah, on that's the thing. Calderon. That's the most beautiful thing, is with Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, and even Luke Kennard, all those guys are, are good enough ball handlers and playmakers for their positions, that, like, playing Bruce Brown, and even, like, if his skill set isn't where, like, I really want him doing this, there's not going to be that pressure that there would be, say, you know, last season when it was Avery Bradley and Tobias Harris instead of Luke Kennard and Blake Griffin. Those guys can handle the ball and alleviate some of that pressure off Bruce Brown, and that allows Brown to just kind of find his niche where he's going to handle the ball a decent amount and everything. Still going to be the point guard, but, like, he's not going to have that usage of a guy like Reggie Jackson. And, uh, man, dude, just talking about, it, like, like, if, if something were to happen to Reggie Jackson, any games he miss misses, like, I, I'm hoping Dwayne Casey is like, hey, Bruce, like, let's do this. Like, I hope they're working on that with him in training camp and just kind of working ways to try to find minutes for Bruce Brown because that's a, a player that, after Summer League, and, you know, you look at his history, he's a guy that was projected to be a lottery pick uh, before the last season, college season began, but because of his injuries and he didn't play the greatest, you know, he slipped so far, but... Like this is a guy that has lottery potential, and you look at some of the guys like point guards and guards to go in the lottery. You got Shea Gilgis Alexander, who I absolutely love. You know, you got Jerome Robinson at the back end of the lottery, and you think Bruce Brown, if if he you know he hits those that lottery level, like I mean, I just I'm all, I'm all in on that. I am. Could he be the next Spencer Dinwiddie? No, Spencer's my guy, and and Spencer wasn't a lottery pick. Um, he was know. the same kind of deal. Well, projected first round pick. He slipped a little bit. Sure, because uh, of that injury. Yeah, because yes. of that injury. But the thing is, Bruce Brown's not going to go get randomly waived for Cameron Bearstow throwback. If you remember that, like you might be a real Pistons fan. But like, he's not going to be like Danway. Danway is a special case because he literally went through it all. My man's went two seasons. Stuck with no opportunity on a Pistons roster. Got stuck behind Steve Blake. Uh, your your guy, Steve Blake, apparently. And, you know, he got sent down to the... You know, he got sent down to G League time after time again. He got waived. Spent some time with the Bulls. They waived him. The Nets, the Nets are a great franchise. I love the Nets. I love what they're doing. Um, you'll see more about them from me on DefPen.com in the future. Um, but, like, they're, they're not comparable in that stance. But as second-round guys that kind of mold themselves through more of an unrealistic way. I think there's maybe some comparison to that, but I don't think Bruce Brown's going to have the trials and tribulations that Dinwiddie went through. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, overall, I think it was a relatively positive offseason for the Pistons. Um, I guess there's not a lot of areas that just strike out as, man, they really underdelivered here. You know, they, they went through and they hired the best coach, arguably the best coach on the market. They went through, they were aggressive in the front office. They addressed a couple needs in terms of like Glenn Robinson. Point guard for me was the biggest issue, not finding a guy uh, to fill that third point guard spot. Hopefully Bruce Brown can turn into that guy. He's at least somebody young with some promise. Um, but it was a 
I mean, it was a positive offseason for a team that I don't think many people believe can compete for a championship. They're in a weird spot. For a team that, you know, is not expecting to win a championship, but just expecting to make the playoffs, I thought it was a positive offseason. Absolutely. And I know we've, we've hit on it before, but Ed Stefanski really, really did a bang-up job this offseason. And uh, this, this new approach by the Pistons is refreshing, and it's exciting. Absolutely. Well, let's transition a little bit. Um, looking at this Pistons roster, I want you to pick one player, and you can pick anybody, but somebody that you would think is important to the success of the Pistons, and what's an attribute that you would like to see them improve this season? Do you consider health an attribute? I No, but... Yeah, I'd like to see if you guys find a way to just stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, like, if I, if I could pick between Blake and Reggie just for them to stay healthy, I'd do that. But, you know, pick an actual skill. Um, again, if you know me, you, you're going to know my answer. It's Stanley Johnson developing an outside shot. Uh, you look at the skills that Stanley Johnson has, and he can handle the ball. Um, he's, ab- he's a great defender. Um, he's a pretty good slasher when he does it. Like, when he decides he wants to go at the rim, he can do some stuff. He's still a little out of control, but there's stuff there for him. to. You know it's there. And the biggest thing holding him back is his lack of ability to space the floor. And if he never figures that out, his role will forever be limited. But if he can find even a league average three-point shot around 36%, that like opens. Andre from Corner Threes, that lead clip, <laughs> little lead clip. <laughs> but if Stanley can do that, that completely opens up his game, and it really improves the outlook for the Pistons because that team becomes so much more deeper. Now, lately, I've definitely slowed down on the Stanley hype train, mainly because I th- I'm I'm really buying in to the promise that Luke Kennard showed his rookie season. And I think Reggie Bullock just was all around a better player than Johnson was last season. So those are the two guys that I want starting on my wing. And Glenn Robinson the third ain't no slouch. He's going to get minutes somewhere. So I've kind of slowed down on where Stanley Johnson is right now. And Dwayne Casey has still spoken very, high, very highly of Johnson. So I'm hoping that something can be worked out with his offensive game to where he becomes a player that is more under control when he's going at the rim, can make those tight, hard-angle passes when he's attacking, can shoot the ball better. If he can shoot the ball, his ceiling skyrockets. It skyrockets. And it saves the Pistons from maybe having to pay Reggie Bullock a pretty pretty big contract next offseason to go into the luxury tax if they deem that necessary. So... If I had to pick an attribute, it's Stanley Johnson developing an outside shot because he's still so young, and when you look at youth, like having a Luke Kennard and Stanley Johnson pairing on the wing, if, if Stanley develops a three-point shot and Kennard continues to progress at the prog- at the rate that he showed his rookie season, like that's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty dang solid. Well, don't steal my thunder on Luke Kennard because that's the guy that I'm going to pick. Um, and what I want to see from him is I want to just see more of, and this might not be the best word, but but presence. And what I mean by that is we know that Luke Kennard can make plays. We know this guy could score the ball. He's a good basketball player. But we all know that there's a chance he could be really good. And what he needs to do 
is he needs to develop that presence of, you can't take me off the floor. Or you can't finish a game without me on the floor. Right now, Luke Kennard, people are fighting for him to be that two starting two guard. People want to see him progress and get to that point. But they're very high on Glenn, Stanley, Reggie Bullock. Luke Kennard needs to develop that presence of, I could be an elite defender and I could be an elite scorer. Whether I'm running with the first string, the second string, combinations of both. You need me on the floor. You need me to be a primary scorer for this team. And I think that's the step that Luke Kennard has to take if he wants to reach that level of potential we think he has. Right now, Luke Kennard's a good scorer. Right now, Luke Kennard's a good guy to have on your team. He's a guy you like on the floor. He needs to become a guy you need on the floor. Well, I, I think you make a really good point by saying the word presence. Like I really like that um, way you address that because everyone wants Luke Kennard to shoot the ball more, to handle the ball more. And last season, you know, Luke would get the ball. He's taking a pump fake. You know, he's jab stepping instead of just firing when he's open, coming off of the curl screen or whatever it may be. And we're all just we're all just sitting there like yelling, shoot, like shoot the ball. You're a forty, you know, forty-one percent three-point shooter. Shoot that rock. And last season, he played pretty timid, but passive. He was very. He could have been yeah. much more aggressive. Yeah, and I think that's. I think that's fair, and it's it's okay because he's a rookie. But you know, he can do more. Like he has that promise. And Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys tweeted out something earlier that I thought was like I thought it was really interesting to look at, and it was Devin Booker's rookie season compared to Luke Kennard's rookie season. Offensively, they were very identical. They were pretty... They had the same efficiencies. Kennard was a little bit more efficient on less attempts per game. Um, Kennard was a better rebounder. They were pretty much equal in assists per game, but Kennard averaged uh, a few... About about uh, an assist, or a turnover... 1.3 turnovers less than Booker, but just very similar uh, stat- statistics... And, like, Devin Booker was a guy that Detroit fans were hoping uh, would be a piston when he was drafted after Stanley Johnson, when Detroit picked Johnson over Booker. Um, And you have a guy in Luke Kennard that, obviously their games are different. Booker's definitely, you know, a number one option right now. Maybe he's better served as as a number two option. Where Kennard right now, he's a number three, four option, maybe five option. And... So there, there's difference there, but just statistically, their off, their their offensive production was very similar, and I think that bodes well for for Canard's mm-hmm. future. <laughs> well, it all kind of goes back to my point that we talked about previously. Of this is why Luke Canard needs to start for the Pistons, and we'll have more conversations about this as we approach closer to the beginning of the season and into training camp and things like that, but. You don't want Luke Kennard to go down the Stanley Johnson path, playing behind a guy that you're probably could be better than, maybe he's a little better than you right now. Reggie Bullock might be slightly better than Luke Kennard today, but you can't take a chance at ruining the progression of Luke Kennard so you can play Reggie Bullock. If Luke Kennard is able to develop that presence, is able to develop that 
just, you cannot take me off the floor. You need me. That just about him. Maybe he could turn into one of those top two scoring options. You know, I really would like to see Kennard play a role like Marcus Morris did a couple years ago. Starts, but then played a lot with the second unit. Starts, came off early, went back in with the second unit. Or no, starts, no, you wanted on. to you want him to play like Morris. You know, just completely stops the offense, gets on the high post with his back <laughs> to the basket. Okay. Backing him down, taking yeah, fadeaway jumpers. That's what you want to see Kennard do. That's why you're comparing him to Marcus Morris. No. No. And um, one more time, no. What I want to do, what I want to see is him play the same kind of minutes as Marcus Morris, but like the total opposite kind of player as Marcus Morris. I'll tell you, weird guy, Marcus, in terms of as a basketball player, it's like, he slows the game down so much. Huge Marcus Morris fan. I love Marcus Morris, and I love that he's an asshole on the floor. It's my favorite thing about him. I loved it. I loved his, his but just he, doesn't doesn't care but about But he just style. slowed it down he so did. much. And the thing is, is his first year here, he was pretty effective in that role. Like, yes. It, it worked, and the Pistons made the playoffs, obviously, but... That second year, well, when, when Steve his, Blake's his leading the second string. All right, stop, stop. We're not doing that. Dude, Jesus, what is it? What is it with you? But that second year, like his efficiency dropped, and it was just much more noticeable. Like, right, this is too much for him. He's, I mean, now you you look at him in the Celtics, he's thriving, uh, but you know that second year was obviously too much for him. And but I'm happy that he's succeeding. You know, I'm glad that he's in a good organization, and I'm I'm rooting for him. Yeah, no doubt. But if Luke Kennard could play that kind of role in terms of that staggered minutes, plays a little bit with the first string, and then kind of carries the load for the second string, and he becomes a real valuable scorer for the Pistons, I think he could really, really thrive there. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes, and if Stanley's able to develop that outside shot, as you talked about, and how Luke can develop a presence on the floor beyond a guy that can probably score you 12 to 14 a night if you need him to. He can do more than that. He He absolutely can, can. but he's got to get there. Right. So we'll see how that goes. Kind of making a transition, the Pistons' preseason schedule uh, did come out. Uh, They play a game at Michigan State as well. And um, Aaron, just tell us a little bit about that preseason slate for the Pistons. Well, they're going to play two games on the road to start it off. And then the rest, of this, the rest of them are in the state of Michigan, I guess is what you can say. They have two at home and then one at Michigan State, which I guess is classified as an away game versus the Cavaliers. I'm not sure how they determined it was an away game or whatever. but It's probably because it like, Tom Izzo almost became the Cavs coach like forever ago. <laughs> yeah. So like it's kind of like a home game. I'm, you know, as, as a guy that just soaks up basketball, like I just want to see the, I want to see the Rooks. I want to see Bruce Brown and Kyrie Thomas. I want to see some weird lineup combinations. I want to see some Luke Kennard at the one. I want to see some Bruce Brown at the one. I'm looking forward to preseason just to just well one to just have basketball on my TV, to have the Pistons on my TV, but just to you know just to have the game back and 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 preseason is is really a fun time to just kind of experiment with with different lineups and different guys. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be neat at MSU too. I think that's kind of a neat feature for oh, the yeah. Pistons. That'll uh, be cool I'll, for that campus and that environment. I've already had buddies tell me that, you know, they're they're for sure going to go to that. And, you know, I think that's a great idea because, like like I said, you know, people are already telling me they're going to that game. It's like, that's going to be for a preseason game. Like, you're going to fill that arena, and it's going to be a pretty cool experience. Absolutely. It'll be an awesome environment. Um, you know, kind of talking about 
podcast. Obviously, we're here on the Palace of Pistons podcast. Uh, but Blake Griffin made an appearance on C.J. McCollum's pod. And, well, I mean, if you're making an appearance on C.J.'s pod, Blake, you know we're next in line, I'd hope. Right. Um, but he talked about a lot of neat stuff. And one thing that he really got into um, was that this was the first offseason for him over the past several that he wasn't rehabbing. And he was actually able to take that chance to grow his game instead of work his way back into his game. And I think that that is huge because he's had the opportunity to expand his game. He talked about how he's been working on expanding that outside shot. He's really taken an opportunity to work on every facet of the game and improve it. And it was really great to hear that. Yeah, exciting stuff from what the standpoint of what you what you had said with him actually being able to work on his game rather than getting back into it. Um, he did mention that he was really focusing on expanding his range and finishing at the rim, you know, with strength. You know, he mentioned he was in the weight he's been in the weight room a lot and then also with cre- creative finishes. So you like that he's working on those two aspects of his game because as his athleticism declines, He's going to have to get more creative finishing inside. And as his athleticism declines, he's going to have to be able to shoot the ball a little bit better. One thing he also mentioned, which I thought was a very interesting point, is Blake is very uh, is held to a very high regard in terms of basketball IQ. He talked about how you know more and more the mid-range is dying, and he's kind of accepted that. And that's another reason why he's working on expanding his range. He talked about how in pick and rolls, they're no longer pick and rolls, you know, they're free throw line, um, free throw line extended. They're going out to the three-point line. So they're running that pick and pop. Yeah. Yeah, the pick and pops are no longer going out to the, the free throw line, the free throw line extended, the baseline, stuff like that. It's all going to the behind the arc. And he mentioned that, you know, that's part of what he's working on is expanding that range so that in that pick and roll situation with Reddy Jackson, that's something that he's going to be effective as. So that's something that I was pretty excited to hear. Um and I think it's important that he got that time to work this offseason mm-hmm. because it's a new system and he's playing with a new team. He mentioned that him and Andre are really working to develop that chemistry. So it's 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 good to see. You steal my thunder, man. That was the next point well, I was going to bring Well, go ahead. Talk about up. it still. Go ahead. I thought it was awesome that he talked about him and Andre having an opportunity to spend an offseason together and working together because he talked about playing in L.A. with DeAndre Jordan. And um, by his final year or two in Los Angeles, he always knew where DeAndre was going to be. Any kind of pick and roll, any offensive set, he just knew where DeAndre would be. And he had an opportunity this offseason to work very closely with Andre, uh, to work in game-like situations, to work in drill situations, um, to just get a better feel for Andre's game. And you talk about Blake being held to a higher standard in terms of his IQ and his mental ability on the floor. And I think that that ability to play with Andre and to build on that chemistry is huge. Because if those two can just tear it up in the post together and they can start running pick and rolls together and things of that nature... That could be a really scary duo because Andre Drummond is better than DeAndre Jordan, and Blake and DeAndre were pretty good together. Yeah, no, that that is great to hear. And I think we talked about it a little bit last week, but the potential of those four or five pick and rolls is 
just absolutely enthralling. I mean, seeing those two work, having guys outside like Kennard, like Bullock, like Glenn Robinson III that can just knock down threes, like, that's just exciting stuff to hear, and it, it helps you kind of envision what you're going to see from the Pistons with them still, you know, two months away from playing competitive basketball, uh, you know, a little bit over a month away from going to training camp. So it allows you some time to fantasize about what you might see from Detroit. And, you know, overall, just with what Blake Griffin said, just positive vibes from, from that podcast. And I guess it's just another thing to, to tag along with giving Pistons fans hope for this upcoming season. It was just really exciting to hear that. Blake sounded really excited. He sounded really motivated. Um obviously talking about the shape he's in, but just to hear that, it is really exciting for Pistons fans as day by day we are moving closer to the beginning of training camp, the preseason, and before you know it, that opening game against the Nets. Yeah, it's it's going to be... It, I know it's a really like boring time right now, NBA-wise, but like it's going to pick up really soon. Yeah, it absolutely will. Uh, so again, if you didn't get the chance to... Um, check out CJ McCollum's pod. Aaron, what's the what's the name of that pod? It's the Pull Up Podcast with CJ McCollum and Jordan Schultz. Uh, I think if you type in the majority of those words, you're going to find it. You probably can just type in CJ McCollum, and you're going to find the podcast. Well, take a listen to that and hear what Blake had to say, Pistons fans. It's going to get you excited. It definitely got us excited for you know the the progression of this offseason and where the Pistons are headed as we get set to hopefully soon, begin next season. And speaking of podcasts, I just want to mention that the schedule for the podcast may change up a bit here. Um, We usually have been dropping the podcast on Thursdays. Um, Tomorrow, which when you're listening to this, it'll be today, which will be Thursday. I'm going to be moving out to college. um, Big man on campus. Oh, boy. You'll be like a frat star. (laughs) Definitely, yeah. yeah. How many cake stands are you going to be doing? All right. But, <laughs> yeah, so the podcast will probably change. I'm kidding. It's... You are underage, and I do not want you to ever touch a lick of alcohol until your 21st birthday. Yes, sir. You understand me? Yes, sir. Good. But the podcast may, well, will, it will change its release date. I'm pretty certain of that. We're still trying to figure out a time where all of us are going to be able to get together throughout the week to record. Aaron just had to make it difficult. <sighs> But it is kind of what it is at this point, so just keep that in mind. So next week's podcast might drop a little bit earlier, or it might drop on a Friday. You never know. We haven't figured that out yet, but just wanted to let everyone know. So if it does come later, it does come earlier, no one's just kind of going like, what the heck. Well, you can stay tuned to all of our social media and our website, you'll know, you'll know when we drop that pod. Um, you're looking for that information again, palaceofpistons.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Palace of Pistons. You can follow us on Instagram at Palace of Pistons. You know we're on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, review. You know that whole deal. Tell your friends. Uh, we're looking for those five stars. We're looking for more listeners. The pod's growing, people, and it's because of you. And we appreciate your listenership, and we want you to keep tuning in and spreading the word. And one other thing I would like to mention, uh, not to just keep this podcast going as fun as it is, but uh, we are looking for advertisers. So if you know of a small business or you own a small business or you own a business in general and are interested in advertising on our podcast, please contact us. You can contact me 
through Twitter at a Johnson NBA. You can email us with my email at Aaron Johnson one five two three at gmail.com or you can email us through our Palace of Pistons email at or excuse me, Palace of Pistons at gmail.com. So if you are looking to advertise on our podcast, we will certainly work something out with you. Please contact those addresses, those Twitters that I gave you. Again, Aaron mentioned his Twitter, A. Johnson NBA. You can follow or direct message me as well, at Media Brendan. He got the DNP this week, but still, feel free to reach out and follow uh, our guy, Ryan Pay, at P-A-Y-E Pay underscore Ryan. Or don't. You could tweet at him and just say you were really disappointed that he, he uh, wasn't on the pod this week, and he, he didn't look good. Ask him about that late scratch. Yeah, it was late, too. Like It was like late, late. I know they said I was a late scratch, but he was even later than I was. Yeah, I was about the same. No. (laughs) Well, we appreciate you tuning in to episode number 27 of the Palace of Pistons podcast, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.